0: Yeah, good morning, everyone. All right, great to see you all. And Kaributena, if you're joining us for the first time. And um, you've joined us in what has been a a very insightful and helpful series. Um, And today's message is the penultimate, it's uh, the second from last in that series. And uh, we'll be talking about wisdom for parenting. And uh, if you haven't been tracking with us in this series, I would encourage you to uh, go on the website and look at the messages because it feels like they really build on one another. We have spoken about wisdom uh, with your words, wisdom uh, for work, wisdom for for PESA and and business, and we we, we looked at uh, the power of compound interest. And uh, last week, uh, Chris was talking about wisdom for marriage, uh, singleness, dating, and celibacy. And so please do go on the website and look at that. And so this morning, we're having a tag team as we're talking about parenting. In the church, uh, we, we believe that this is the household of God. It's not just an organization. It's not just a, a community of people with like interests, but actually it's the family of God. And in the family of God, we've got fathers and we've got mothers. And we have an incredible um, a privilege this morning to hear both from fathers and mothers. And now you're looking at me, uh, I remember just a week or two ago, I was carrying my five-year-old son. And uh, there was a, a young lady in the church and said, is that your son? And I said, yeah, this is my son. And she was amazed that you can, you've got a child that old. And I said, actually, this is my second born. The first is nine years old. So if you're wondering, how can this young-looking man give us wisdom for parenting this morning? I've been wondering the same thing <laughs> over the past week. I was wondering whether there was a way I could weasel my way out of this message. But obviously, I failed. Uh, But we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary with Michelle, my wife. And just to raise the stakes of this message, my mom-in-law is also here. But just to give my CV, I've got two kids. This is a, a, an old picture. We took that maybe three or four years ago. I love it because they look so harmonious. They, they look like little angels, don't they? And so I, I, I love constantly looking at that picture, just to remind me that there's hope. Now, if I'm honest, I don't think I'll... I'll I'll be able to graduate with a diploma in good parenting. And I guess there are many parents here, and you'd feel the same way, that actually we've been singing about God who is perfect in all his ways, is the perfect good father, and you look at your own mothering, your own fathering, and if you aren't a parent yet, you look at your parents, and you see a lot of imperfection. In fact, one author put it this way, we all need help in parenting. The only perfect parents I know are those who don't have children. And so if you don't have children, well done, you are the perfect parent. Now the good news is that as we've been singing, God himself is a parent. God is revealed as a father right from the beginning. He's the one who gives birth to humanity. He calls Israel his son. And he he treats them. Even as we read the book of Proverbs, it, it likens him to, to being a parent who, who disciplines us. And so we're not here this morning, thankfully, to gain my wisdom because this message would be very, very short. But we're here to gain the wisdom from the perfect father. We're not going to be looking at what's what's the latest news and in, in pop psychology, what's the latest trend. In parenting, we're looking at the age-old, timeless wisdom of the one who has been a father for eternity, the perfect father. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling, hey, I could use wisdom for parenting. In fact, I've, I've, I've made some mistakes. I, I look back at, at, at how I've parented or how I've been parented, and it's like a train wreck. The good news is that this father is a redeemer. This morning is an opportunity for you to find encouragement, to find strength, and to find healing, even in the area of family. And so if you've got your Bible, please would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll be looking from verse 8 to 19. But just so you know where we're going we're going to look at this passage and I just want to bring out one main point and that is the stakes are incredibly high. The stakes are incredibly high in parenting. Then we'll come and give some practical implications related to that. But before we read the passage, let's pray. Dear Lord, it's an incredible privilege that we can call you our Father. Not because of what we have done, what we can offer you, but we come as those who are without money, who have nothing to offer, except our failures. And you say, come, eat, come and be part of my family. You say to as many as receive the Lord Jesus who believe on his name, they can be called your children. What manner of love is this, that we can be called your children? And Lord, I pray that even as we talk about parenting, your love would permeate our gathering, that would have a sense of your incredible love as a parent for us, that would catch a glimpse of your vision of how you want to, See heaven on earth through parenting. How you want to see your image born out into the world through parenting. But Lord, we we can't do it without you. We need you. And so I ask for the powerful presence of your spirit to work in our hearts to do what we can't do. To bridge the gaps we cannot bridge. Amen. Amen. Let's jump right into the text. I'm reading from the NLT, and this is what it says. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. And when commentators were looking at the book of Proverbs, they were wondering, hey, is this, are these Proverbs representing maybe were they schools of wisdom in the ancient Near East? But they're convinced by this very verse That actually, the context of the teaching of wisdom is the home, is the family. You see, in this patriarchal society, you just don't have men saying, hey, this is wisdom. But he's also saying, don't neglect your mother's teaching. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us, let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw your lot in with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their pets. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And as I read this passage and looked at the whole book of Proverbs, I couldn't help but notice that the stakes, the decision that is being called for has incredibly high stakes. It's, it's the difference between death and life. Not only are the stakes incredibly high, but the whole book of Proverbs is set in the context of parenting. I used to think... Hey, when, when I want to learn about parenting from Proverbs, let me, let me jump to that verse that, that talks about how train them when they're young and when they're older, they won't depart from it. Or let me jump to that verse that, that talks about the rod and, and discipline and saying hey, if you love your child, then you have to discipline them. Or, or let me jump to that other verse that, that talks about how naughtiness is, is close to a child's heart and, uh, and so a rod quickly drives it away. But as I looked at the whole book, I saw that actually... Everything in Proverbs is a masterclass on parenting. After the introduction that we have in Proverbs 1 to 7, which ends with him saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We then come into the home setting, showing that everything that follows, everything that he's going to talk about money, everything he's going to talk about sex, everything he's going to talk about work, about how you use your words, is in the context of parenting. Friends, parenting is a big deal. The stakes are sky high. And I remember how during COVID time, you remember COVID? Do you you guys remember COVID? And then the kids had to stay home. Parents, do you remember that? And then the kids had to be homeschooled. And parents were like, Man, I can't take COVID. I have to spend all day with the kids. They're driving me up the wall. And they were dreaming of the time when COVID would end. Not because it was the end of this global health crisis, but it would be the time when their kids could return back to school. When they could be relieved of that burden. And so we, we want to outsource the responsibility to raise our kids. We, we want to outsource it to the boarding school, the, the matron, the, the, the principal. You, you take care of it. We, we want to outsource it to the Sunday school teacher. We want to outsource it to the sports and activities people. like, no, no, Cephas, my kids go to a Christian school. But we, we see in Proverbs that the responsibility for parenting, the responsibility of giving wisdom is not to the school, it's not to the government, it's not even to the Christian school. Beneficial as that may be, but it's to the parents. And would admit as parents, we, we, we might feel underqualified. You know, I'm, I'm not trained for this, this homeschooling thing. I feel we don't have the right temperament. I'm, I'm not patient enough. You know what? How, how do you do it? God, you must have incredible patience. Or maybe you might feel I'm, you're not in the right situation, the right season of life. I'm, I'm, I'm having to raise the kids alone. Or, or both of us have full-time jobs. We're, we're just trying to pay the bills. We, we need to pay for our debts. We, we need to buy our land. We, we need to do this and that. But friends, the priority of parenting is not giving your kids a great education, wonderful as that is. It's, it's not setting them up for success. It's not giving them opportunities to develop their skills. It's not just having good behavior. When we look in this passage, we see that the priority of parenting is to point them to wisdom the wisdom that brings life. And I have to admit, I I haven't always had that priority and I don't always have it. I remember when we had our first, our daughter, Makanaka. Firstly, she was a surprise. My wife tells me, hey, this is it. Pregnancy test, positive. I didn't immediately say, wow, children are a gift from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I was like, okay, just let me sit down. Just give me some time. And my wife still holds this against me. And then when she got born, it was an emergency C-section. And so we went on medical insurance, and it was really expensive. I still remember to the nearest kind of $10 or something like that. And then we had this debt, and I thought, man, first it's as they come, they come with a debt. Then I'm going to have to put them through school. Then there's college. Before, when we are doing pre-engagement counseling, and were asked, "How many kids do you want to have?" I was like, "Yes, I need. I want to have four kids because you know I was the fourth born." But after that, I was like, "Hey, I think one is enough." <laughs> so you see, I, my priorities were upside down. My priority was, "No, no, I, I need to save up money. I need to." prepare this big house and then what they need for school fees and then college. All of that is good but the priority of parenting is pointing our children to wisdom and the wisdom that brings life. And you might ask, hey Sivas, that kind of sounds abstract, that, that you know that sounds nice, like a nice Sunday discussion, but what does it have to do with Monday? Well, it's important because we see in our passage that we're raising our kids in contested space. You see, we we parent like we're parenting in neutral ground. Not only are we parenting in neutral ground, we are working with this neutral material. That we take our kids, all we need to do is to give them the best environment in our home. Let's give them the best education. Let, let, let's give them the best opportunities, the best... Uh, 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 exposure that we can, let's give them those things that we never got when we were growing up, right? Like, let's let's live our childhood through our kids. Man, I never got to go to Disney. I'm working hard so that you don't have to experience the hardships I experienced. I'll take you to Disney. And yet, what we see in our passage is that we are raising our kids in contested space because immediately the father warns that there are people who are going to entice the son. And so what he's saying is that, hey, this world we're living in has been affected by sin. It has been affected by the fall. The Bible talks about the world as, as this, the system that is around us that is driven by spiritual forces, evil, dark forces. And, and we interact through the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It, it draws us in. And when I've read that passage, I thought, hey, man, that means nothing to me. I'll never be enticed by anyone who wants to do armed robbery. This verse has got nothing on me. But actually, we all have our kryptonite. We all have ways in which the enemy draws us in. The, the enemy can, can tempt us. And then the NLT says, hey, it's going to be fun. And for some of us, when when you hear fun, like your eyes pop out. I'm there. If it's fun, if it's pleasurable, I'm in. It says, hey, we're going to fill our houses with great things. We're going to become rich. And for some of us, when you hear money, where? I'm there. And so the world is drawing us in. We are in this contested space. I've been just looking at the billboards that are coming up around us and seeing this billboard of the real housewives of Nairobi. And I look at that billboard and I think, okay, how am I supposed to respond to this billboard? What do they, what do they want me to watch? Why do they want me to watch this show? And I've heard of one of the characters. Her name's Vera, Vera Sidika, And I was listening to Capital FM while I was on the Matatu on Friday. And they were saying she's the most followed socialite in Kenya on social media. And I, I won't go into the details of why she's famous. But we're living in contested space. I... I was on Spotify and listening to the ads. You know, when you've got the free version, you get the ads. And the ads that you get in Kenya are all about, you guys know them, right? Keep walking. It's like, man, I feel thirsty right now. We are raising our kids in contested space. And what the writer of the Proverbs is saying is that, hey, your kids will hear that, hey, this is how you can have fun. This is how you can make money. This is how you can experience life. We were singing this morning about all who are thirsty. The world has got an alternative message of how you can satisfy that thirst. And it's blurring it out day after day. It's blurring it out in the media. It's blurring it out in the advertising. It's blurring it out. And through peer pressure. And so you, you can't simply put parenting for wisdom as a lower priority. Because the stakes are sky high. It's a matter of life and death. You, this is why you, you can't outsource your parenting. You, this is why you can't rely on the teacher to pass on the wisdom. I was hearing just the other day of a CRE teacher, a Christian religious education teacher, who was, they were saying they were so vulgar. Like, hey, that's, that's how you're taking in the Christian message from a vulgar Christian religious education teacher. You can't, you can't outsource it to the Sunday school teacher. You, you can't outsource it to the government. Because this responsibility to point our kids to the wisdom that brings life, has been given to parents. And with that, I want to invite Muthel.
1: Asante Sana Sifas, um, I'm not going to be sharing any family pictures. There's just too many of us to fit on the screen. True story. Um, my name is Muthel Mecha. Um, one of the deacons in the social justice department, Um, and I'm also a wife and mother, married to Simba, who is conveniently out having the time of his life in Dubai, while I, by myself, take care of our five-plus children. Um, (laughs) Thank you. He needs to get back, though. and I think parenting is um, is a subject that has been dear to my heart um, since the Lord literally called me into parenting. I think if you know me if you, or if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that I was on the path of never being married and never having children. Um, so shock on me that here I am with five children. Um, and so literally, like the Lord literally had to call me into that. And so it's been a subject that's been dear to me. And as Cephas has said, um, that parenting is high stakes and that we are parenting in contested space. And so I want us to look this morning at one core aspect um, to this work that we have been called to into parenting. Um, and if you're not a parent, if you, you have no children, you're probably not even married, maybe like my previous self, have. No desire for ever having children. Please just sit tight. Um, I'm sure the Lord has something to say, even to you this morning. And so we are going to look at just the aspect of training and instruction, because this is something that Solomon keeps referring to time and time again when he talks about what it is that um, we as fathers and mothers are supposed to do with our children. And I like this verse in chapter 4 of Proverbs verse 4 where he shares his own experience of what having been trained and taught looks like. And he says, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. And so Solomon is, is here telling us that I'm not just talking about training and teaching as something theoretical. I'm actually a product of teaching and training because of what my father and my mother poured into me. And so he's not just giving us unproven theoretical wisdom, but rather wisdom that has been tested. And he is a firsthand recipient of this courtesy of his relationship with his father and mother. And so when he says to us in Proverbs 4, 1, 6, 20 to 23, um, that sons, listen to a father's instructions. Pay attention and gain understanding. In Sikh chapter 6, verses 20 to 23, again, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way of life. And the famous 22, chapter 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is clear from Solomon's teaching whether he's talking to the son and telling him to follow his father's instruction or whether he's talking to the parent and telling the parent, hey, train up your child. That as parents, we are to teach, guide, and instruct our children. And this took me back to the the scripture in Deuteronomy 6.20. um, Or in Deuteronomy, uh, where God is talking to the people of Israel and, and telling them and giving this very clear instruction. And he says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You will teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless, front, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. And so you might be asking me this morning, okay, Mother, we are to train, we are teaching them, you know, everything they need to know about how to survive in the days that we live in, right? But one of the things that I see clearly uh, from these words of Solomon is that one of the things that we are to teach our children is actually the commands of the Lord. That we are to teach our children to love their Lord, our God, with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their might. And this is actually a direct command from the Lord God himself, as we see in this story of the children of Israel. And so it's not enough, as I said, that we train them on how to survive in the day that we are living in. Because the primary thing and the thing that outlasts everything else is a relationship with God, their father. And so as parents, we are commanded to teach our children the commands of the Lord. The second thing that we see, and literally this is a story or the book of Proverbs, what it embodies is that we are to teach our children to love wisdom. We are to teach them about all of life, at least as much as we possibly can. We see Solomon in the book of Proverbs addressing literally every subject that you can think of. He talks about honesty and diligence and hard work and money and relationships and marriage and sexuality and leadership. There are literally no taboo subjects. And so as parents, we have the primary role of ensuring that the information that our children are interacting with is not primarily from sources that are out there, sources that, first and foremost, do not honor the command of loving the Lord our God, but that we as parents are at the forefront of, of ensuring that there are no subjects that we shall not bring to our dining room tables, um, there are no subjects that we shall bring to aid the relationship that we have with our children. And I know for a long time, and maybe f- those of us from my generation and moving backwards, you know, there, were, there are taboo subjects, right? There are just things that we don't talk about with our parents. And for a lot of us, if you'll be honest with yourself, that you'd, you'd, be, you'd admit that some of those subjects have been the places of the greatest struggles of your life, right? If it's sexuality, if it's money, if it's marriage, if it's work, the area of speech, the taboo subjects that we, grow, we grew up not knowing what, where we stand or what it is that wisdom looks like in those things, for some of us those have been the things that we have had to fight through to learn and figure out what to do, and mostly in our adult lives. But God is challenging us today through the words of Solomon that actually, parents, there are no taboo subjects. Your children cannot afford to hear wisdom first from the world. Because as we said, we are living in contested space. The world, let me put it to you, the world does not have your children's best interest at heart. Social media doesn't. The world doesn't care. The world doesn't care that your children will know and love their God. The world is out uh, to turn our children to a path that leads them to death. And so if we are the ones that have understood the command to love our God, to serve him, to seek him diligently, then we must be keen and wise to ensure that we are first and foremost the ones that are bringing these conversations to our children and bringing them with the godly wisdom that they deserve. And so how do we do this? We do this by giving wise counsel. It means that we must be in the word so that we have words of wisdom that we can give to our children. It means that we lean heavily on the book of Proverbs, for example, and from it draw real practical wisdom and Proverbs that we can speak speak to our children and guide them as they go through different stages of life and through different experiences of life. It means that we must be careful to discipline our children because discipline allows them to learn from their mistakes. And discipline, as uh, Solomon says drives out the foolishness that is bound up in their hearts. And just in case that you're thinking this morning that, yeah, de- definitely, foolishness is bound up in the children's hearts, remember when we were talking about words of wisdom, what did we say? That we are all by nature fools, right? Because our heart's natural tendency is actually not to run towards God. It is rather to run towards our own desires, um, evil and darkness, which eventually leads us to death. And so the point here is not that discipline is because our children are so foolish, without us they wouldn't know what to do. But rather it's because we recognize first and foremost our own foolishness. We recognize first and foremost that everything we are, any wisdom that we have, any wisdom that we could ever impart to our children, is first and foremost because we have been rescued from foolishness by, our own, by Jesus Christ. It's the recognition that we actually have nothing to offer our children outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And th- why then do we discipline? We discipline them because we love them. Solomon refers to this many times when he says, hey, if you love your son, you will discipline him. And this is much like the father that Cephas was talking to us about this morning, God, our Father, who in Hebrews 12:6 is said to be the one that he disciplines the ones that he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. And so discipline is not a function of the tough parents, you know, those uh, controlling parents. Discipline is actually a requirement for each and every one of us who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but also a function of every one of us who claims to love our children do you love your son do you love your daughter you will discipline them and this discipline how does it look like this discipline is prompt it's diligent there's an urgency to it it's diligent it means that it's not something we do on mondays or in the evening when or maybe on the weekend when you know it's relaxed and we've had time to rest There's actually an urgency and a diligence that is required of us in terms of discipline. Because you see, the foolishness doesn't have a timetable, right? It doesn't show up on Monday in the afternoon, Wednesday at night. No, the foolishness is filled up in the child's heart. And so we must be diligent and come at it from a point of urgency. Because the prize that is there for our children, the life, that they are to experience from, uh, as a result of living disciplined life is at stake. And so as Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, discipline your son also while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin their lives. And so there's no time to waste. There's no time to, to be lax about, oh, you know, they're, they're just boys, right? They're just boys and boys will be boys. In God's eyes, boys will be boys who are honoring to God, who are a blessing to their parents, and boys who actually obey and follow the commands of the Lord. And so discipline is also not just about behavior modification. If behavior modification was the sole goal of what we do with discipline, then Jesus would have absolutely praised the Pharisees and called us to follow their shining example. Discipline is about capturing our children's heart and pointing them to the way of life. Discipline is not just about behavior modification. And so then it begs the question, then how do we discipline? As I said, we discipline because we love. We therefore discipline out of love. We don't discipline because we are frustrated. That's not the motivation to discipline. We don't discipline because we are angry, not the motivation. We discipline because we have known the love of our father and we have known also the goodness that his discipline brings to us and how it redirects us to his will and his plan for our lives. And so we discipline because of love, we discipline out of love. The other thing that we are called to as is that we are actually called to model, to model the example for life with our own lives. So think about all the things that um, Solomon talks about in the book of Proverbs, all the subjects that he addresses. He addresses sexuality, money, work, and all these things. The thing about us being able to impart these things to our children is that we actually have to be among those that are walking in that same path that we are calling our children to walk to. Otherwise, we are just hypocrites who, you know, it's like an empty debate making a lot of loud noise but having little to no impact in the lives of our children. Paul Tripp, one of my favorite authors, especially on this subject of parenting, says this. Very little parenting takes place in the grand significant moments of life. Parenting often takes place on the fly when we are not really paying attention. It's in the repeated cycles of life, of the unplanned moments of life where parenting takes place. Those are the spaces where we model, it's the spaces where our children observe and see who we are and how we are going about these aspects of life. It's in those spaces that they learn their most powerful lessons. Training, therefore, needs to be happening in the course of doing life with our children. There cannot be remote parenting. There cannot be delegated parenting, at least not as the primary source of parenting. We must be building deep and meaningful relationships with our children so that our training, teaching, and discipline is effective. It's in the space of the slow rhythms of life where wisdom is imparted as we repeatedly say the same things over and over again, as we repeatedly model the same things over and over again. We are called to train, to instruct, and to teach our children. Now, here is where I want to land today's sermon, and I want to land it by taking us back to sort of where we started with this whole series. And this is where I need those of us, especially if you're not a parent, or if your parenting days, you know, the active parenting days are gone, this is where I want us to focus in this morning. Proverbs 1.7 which is where we started and has sort of been the anchoring uh, scripture for this series that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Chapter 14, verse 27, reiterates that message and says, fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Now I want to put to us this morning that one of the best things we'll do for our parenting is our own spiritual journey our own walk with the Lord. Our own spiritual quest must be at the forefront of driving our parenting. Neglect of our walk with God has a way of working its way through our relationships in a way that is not what God intended to be. We become demanding, controlling, intolerant, resentful, and we start putting expectations on our children that are nothing close to what God intends for their lives. It's in such spaces where we think that the sole existence of our children is to live out the dreams that we never got to achieve, right? It's in that space where we begin to imagine that my, children must be, my child or children must become everything that I didn't become, and we quickly forget that in our children's lives that God is writing a unique story, and we just simply have the privilege of being the ones that he uses to write that story in some way or another. And so we must not neglect our walk with the Lord because it shall be the life and the wisdom that directs us and helps us to focus on the things that matter and to have the heart posture and the attitude that is right, that is leading our children to the wisdom that leads to life. It's easy for us to quickly forget our own sin and our need for God and to place heavy and impossible yokes on our children that speak nothing of God's love and plan for his life. And so my charge to us parents this morning is, do not neglect your own walk with the Lord. Our children were never meant to be a feel-good place for us as parents. They are not meant to give us a sense of worth and purpose and belonging in the sense that, hey, I am because, hey, look at the amazing children I've raised. We must be the ones that seek to find that worth and value and purpose first and foremost in Christ. Otherwise, we, we just make a mess of the gift of the children that he has blessed us with. And so then we must approach parenting with the selflessness and the sacrifice that it requires. And that can only come when we have found our place, our identity in Christ Jesus. So that then in whatever we do in our parenting, we are doing it all to the glory and honor of the Lord. And as I said earlier, parenting from that place of a relationship with God daily reminds us of our own foolishness and our own need for a savior and our own need to be leaning on God. And therefore, we are not parenting from a place of pride or a place of, you know. I know it all, and these little beings need to submit to my authority because I know it all. But it's actually from a place of, hey, I have been forgiven much. I can extend grace to my children even in their most ungraceworthy moments, right? It's that realization that, hey, were it not for the grace of God, I would be lost and dead in my sins. Therefore, I can extend that love and grace to my children because I want them to know life so that they also don't get lost and dead in their sins. And so this is the point. Everything concerning this life and the things that the world tries to tell us are the things that matter. And I'm not saying that these things are not important. They are super important because they are the things of the world that we live in. But the truth of the matter is that great careers, money, fame, good jobs, status, and anything else that you could call good for this life ends at death, ends in death. We shall not take our careers to heaven, our money stays here, our fame ends here, our jobs, our status is simply for this world. And so we must therefore be parenting our children with a greater vision, a vision that points them to the things that last forever, the eternal things we must then realize that of our own selves, we actually have nothing to offer our children. And if we don't offer them Christ, then we are offering them death. Jesus is the only one that has the power to save and transform our lives and give them meaning and purpose that will last beyond this lifetime. Mark 8.36 reminds us that what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul. Let's not be the kind of parents that give our children the world and yet lead their souls to internal de- condemnation. And I'm not saying this to say that the power to save is in your hands. That's not what I'm saying. But God has given us as parents the unique position to point our children to him. And we must do that with everything that we have. So I'll finish by saying this, that parenting was actually never supposed to be about us. It wasn't supposed to be about you raising the next version of yourself. It wasn't supposed to be about you making a name for yourself in terms of the offspring that you leave behind. Parenting was never supposed to be about us fashioning an offspring that is created in our image and in our likeness. Parenting has been, will always be, about a God who is writing his story and he has graciously allowed you and I to be partakers and ambassadors in raising his children. Wisdom therefore dictates that you and I must heavily, heavily with everything that we have, lean on this God because we have been called to represent his message, his methods, and his character. And we cannot do those things outside of our relationship with him. And so if you're here and you're asking, okay, Mudeo, I don't have kids. I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't apply to me. The thing about God is that he places children in families, right? And then he places families in community. God did not create us to exist in isolation from one another. And so in the same way that I'm charging parents to lean heavily on God, my charge to you who is not yet a parent is this. You need to be leaning heavily Into God as well because there's a community that is dependent on that relationship of yours uh, working with the Lord. There's wisdom that you have to offer. There's love. There's care. There's grace that you have to offer. There's prayers to be offered to those that are raising children. And so the charge is still the same for you this morning. You need to lean into God so that you can be a part of building that community where he places families in. You might also be here this morning and you're saying, this whole idea of parenting, I've messed it up, or my own journey of being parented is just nothing to write home about. In fact, it's probably the one reason that I don't ever want to have children. You might be here and you're struggling with parenting by yourself. Uh, You're a single parent for whatever reason. It could be because of separation, divorce, maybe never married, or even the death of a spouse. Or you're here this morning, and you're actually dealing with parenting in different situations. You're probably parenting a child with difficulties. um, Children, a child who's struggling with an aspect of life that, you know, is not normal, so to speak. It could be a health situation. It could be a mental situation. It could be an an older child uh, who's struggling with addictions and things like that. And this morning... You're saying, I, I, I don't know that this parenting thing is, is everything you're saying for it to be. And I just sensed as I was preparing for this message that this is what God wants to say to you this morning. That he did not make a mistake. And that secondly, it's not your fault. We live in a fallen world, And perfection is not something that we are going to experience in this world. And even in that imperfection, God is saying to you that he did not make a mistake and that he has actually still called you to be that parent that leans on him so that you can find the grace that he provides and that he will show you great and mighty things as you lean on him to see what he could do because the story of that child that you're raising is his story, and he's the one that is writing it. And so I want to end by sharing this prayer that I stumbled upon um, at the beginning of this year. Um, And the reason this prayer for me is so profound is because of the person that wrote it is a lady who um, went into or got a stroke as she was delivering her her second child. And it's miraculous that she survived, and she came out of it with... um, uh, paralysis on most uh, one, one side of her face, uh, or her entire body actually, uh, she's unable to move so she has physical disabilities as well. Um, but every time she tells her story she says that her life and service to God actually started the day that this thing happened. And So she was saying um, this prayer to thousands of young people that were gathered for a conference and this is what she says, and this is my prayer for you. And I hope that you receive it with the grace that God um, is, seeing, uh, is pouring out to you this morning. Through the difficulties of parenting and of doing life in the world that we live in today, I pray that you will see your life as a good, hard story that God is writing. I pray that you will open your hands to release old dreams and receive new ones. I pray that you will find the miracle, that the miracle that you've been looking for has always been right in front of you all along. I pray that you will accept the stunning capacity that God has given you to endure because of Jesus who endured for you. May you live out the hardest parts of your life with joyful rebellion against the darkness. And may you believe that the boundaries around your life are good and pleasant because God uniquely assigned them to you. May you see the difficult days of your life or may your difficult days of your life somehow become avenues to a new kind of freedom because of Jesus Christ. And so this is my charge to us all. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We must be those that are leaning heavily into the grace that God provides, into the love that he provides so that we can effectively raise the children that God has given us for his glory and for his honor.